Hi everyone, this is Thomas. This is the 11th episode, I believe, of Signals. Thank you so much for joining. My great attempt at this pod today is going to be a one-take delivery. So here we go. Firstly, with respect to naming the titles of these little micro pods, I tend to start with one title and end with a different title. So I'm just finding that process interesting. Today, my title is Crossing the Chasm. At least that's what I'm using as my starting point. And of course, it's a famous book which talks about how startups need to go from one stage to another. And there's a large leap that happens where a firm goes from an innovative startup to a more mature firm. And some of the themes that I've been experiencing over the past couple of weeks just have me recalling the book and the process of getting from one side to the other of this chasm. So anyway, that's the draft title. We'll see what I actually publish at the end of all this. The other thing I've noticed is I was on a call yesterday with FinTech Studios, a partner that has this incredible AI machine learning classification model around news and I just got so excited and after the call my reflection was why aren't the pods that exciting like they should actually be that exciting so another one of my goals is to bring the same type of energy to this format as we bring to everything else we do at Point Focal so I'll have to see how that goes but that's just another opening thought okay a few other items that I just want to blitz through firstly with the market having done what it's done over the past week, which of course has been fascinating and revolves around everything we do. We're not trying to time the market at Point Focal in any way, shape or form. We are trying to help other people position themselves such that they can manage risk and improve their performance by being intelligent about their decision-making process at all times, but importantly, during volatile times. We've had volatile times, and one thing that strikes me as crazy is we spend so much more time focusing on the distance from which the market is versus its all-time high than we do actually experiencing the all-time high. By its very nature, the all-time high of a market or a stock was, in hindsight, of course, it's only obvious in hindsight, but the all-time high is, in some sense, a reflection of wild mispricing, right? It was only at the all-time high for a very brief moment in time. In very few cases do stocks or markets spend much time at an all-time high. Very few cases. So why are we intensely focused on that benchmark. The all-time high is just that. It's a brief moment in time, but we obsess over all-time highs. Now, there's good reason to analyze 52-week highs and lows and all-time highs and lows, of course, but we have this massive bias where we compare holdings or our portfolio or performance only to all-time highs or to January 1st, which is another arbitrary point in a continuous time scale. So, just on my mind, something that I think is a inherent bias that we should in some sense overcome or at least be aware of as we analyze markets and portfolios. Okay, next up is an idea that I have about this focus signal substack and I alluded to it in a prior episode. There's so much interesting content on Twitter and 
like most things in life, 80 or maybe 90% of what's on Twitter is noise, but there is some maybe 10% signal. In the thin twit, as they call it, space on Twitter, the signal is really interesting. A lot of it comes from writers and research analysts who are using Substack as a medium to communicate really what's becoming institutional quality research. And the other thing that I watch on Twitter is all of the data visualization and the charts and the visual design of such charts reflecting markets and portfolios and stocks. And I've been keeping kind of a log where I think chart crimes are being committed because what's trying to be communicated is really not effectively leveraging visualization tools to communicate that message. And in some cases, in fact, doing the opposite where they're actually conflating issues by putting the wrong type of visualization on top of the data. More importantly, there's a lot of valuable content on Twitter, valuable charts and graphical visualization. And I've been keeping a log of that too, but it's always from a variety of platforms and custom charts and proprietary visualizations. And what I'm interested in doing, two things from this social media observation. One is... I'm interested in approaching some of the best quality content producers, either on Twitter or through their Substack, and figuring out if there's a way that Point Focal can deliver value to them. I suspect many of these content producers do not have access to FactSet and Bloomberg. Some of them, I bet they do. But regardless, I suspect there's a way that the Point Focal platform and our reporting engine could be of use and of value to these content producers. So that's something that's percolating in the back of my mind. I want to continue to think about it and maybe even approach some of these content producers and see, you know, I have a couple in particular where I think their content and our capabilities might be a really strong combination. So I'm kicking that around as a future side project to pursue. And then likewise, with the charts and the visualizations, what I'm envisioning doing is taking the very best of what's out in the multiverse, right? Out in the social media universe and consolidating those into one beautiful report produced by Point Focal, where what we do is we enhance and augment our existing performance charts and visualizations and performance metrics with some of the most valuable content that I see kind of scattered around the FinTwit universe. Again, so it would be trying to take a best of, certainly give credit where credit is due to those that have come up with original views on the market, but there are, there are some really valuable views and I think synthesizing them into one format where now instead of just looking at a portfolio and understanding which symbols are how far away from the 52-week high or which symbols are above and below, say, their 50 or 200-day moving average and then comparing those to each other over time. There's, I've seen a few visuals that are pretty interesting in that space and being able to, instead of just looking at a benchmark or a standard index, which is really where you see these visualizations applied, but if you could take the best of all that content and then layer it onto your own custom portfolio for a customer, I think that would be really valuable. And so that's something that I'm kicking around as a, another future 
not side project on that one, but with the visualization, I think that's really core to what we're doing and therefore is something I want to pursue. Okay, then just quickly on the Q1 product updates for Point Focal, we are now, I'm excited to report, really increasing our engagement with both Market Structure Edge, which is Market Structure Sentiments, a demand and supply framework around best execution and short volume information, fantastic content. We're starting to dig into the data. We're starting to look at the five-day future price as a dependent variable, and we're looking at best execution information, short volume information as independent variables and starting to say, okay, what type of meaningfully prescriptive information can we pull out of this market structure sentiment content and augment our existing on and off exchange market analytics. So really excited about this content. Likewise with Util, we're now starting to model and structure our database design to manage all of the Util content and start to learn that story. In fact, we have a call today with a friendly prospect that has deep interest in ESG and we are working with them and others. So we have lots of demand for this, but we're basically creating a scenario where we'll work really closely with a prospect to co-develop our ESG Util views. And in so doing, we'll get helpful product development input, particularly as it relates to a real world use case and workflow at an asset manager. So we will get that. And in return for that, the asset manager will get an early look at how we're developing these ESG visualizations and analytics and reports and input into that process such that two things, they're getting early access, we're getting feedback on the process, and in so doing, as we get to the end state where we now have a target deliverable in production, we're going to, if we do our job well, we're going to have delivered value to this collaborator. We will have helpful input from them. We will have delivered something of value to them, and therefore, part of the prerequisite to being one of these early adopters is that they have the capacity to, at a early adopter discount, pay for the analytics when we deliver them. So it's a really good model. It's a way to increase engagement. It reduces the feedback loop of how you develop content for a particular use case and workflow. So that we're also really excited about. A few closing thoughts for today. We have built cumulatively advancing assets over time. What I mean by that is everything that we're doing to produce our end result is cumulative. And I just saw this in the most striking way when I was speaking to a new investor in Point Focal. And this person looked at our architecture and what we're doing in our space and had an idea about how to leverage the entire asset for something related but also unrelated. I guess my point here is the longer you can stay alive as a startup and the more you can build the, the cumulative nature of your assets such that they are valuable, you become more and more attractive, not just to your own you know, niche, but also to other areas that have demand for these assets. And so that's exciting for one, 
but it's also worth reflecting on when you're stuck in the day-to-day of building those assets. It's oftentimes feels siloed and that you're delivering something isolated, but really you're not. So long as there's a broad and holistic vision about the value proposition, if you can then apply it to other areas of the market, it can be really compelling. So that's an exciting development. The last point I have on my list for this episode, two words called trial silence. We took a hedge fund through a trial at the end of 2021, and they wanted access to our content for the entire earnings season such that they could make an appropriate evaluation of our platform. They were very upfront from the beginning, what their buying process was like, what their utilization was. They gave us lots of feedback during the trial. We had a call at least every other week to get feedback and ensure that they were learning the platform, getting the most use out of the platform and connecting it to their workflows. So all of that transpired. Then we got into 2022, we created this amazing report, which is the first time we've done this for someone in trial. We created a quantitative performance review of how their funds performed during the trial period and how the content, the alternative data in our platform helped create insight for their portfolios. And then lastly, we even ran a quantitative model, a post-drift earnings model from Estimize. We layered that on top of their portfolios to show them the signals that were generated over time, what type of alpha they could have extracted from the post-drift earnings model, which is one area they were very interested in, over the duration of their trial. So again, I mentioned this previously, that trial report is something we're gonna start running regularly for anyone in trial, but also for maybe benchmarks and maybe some of the ARC Invest portfolios so that we can communicate that we have these capabilities and this is how we assess a portfolio through trial. But this brings me all the way back to the original point, which is trial silence. So we got into 2022 and then the firm went silent completely silent, which is just fascinating. So at first we, you know, we understand everyone is busy and just like we're waiting to hear from people, other people are waiting to hear from us. This is the nature of the world today. Everybody is overwhelmed and nobody has any time. That's all true. But we were still blown away as the weeks went by that not only did we not get a response from the hedge fund around the reports we produced at the end of the trial, but we never got communication about their decision. And look, we've had plenty of people come through and come on as a client or not. And of course, just like every business, the filter, many more people come through trial and do not subscribe than those that do. That's how we learn. That's how we make the product better and improve our conversion rate. But in this instance, we ended up with silence, which has just been fascinating. And I mention it because you can get demoralized by something like this, or you can just say, look, this is the world we live in and we need to do a better job of creating stickiness and understanding the clients. And in retrospect, what I think we really could have done better was connect with some of the other decision makers at the firm. We were very engaged with somebody on the trading desk. It's a small firm. And ultimately, we needed to get in front of the PM. We needed to get in front of somebody in the C-suite so that they understood the content the value proposition, and we understood clearly their capacity to buy the product at the end of the trial. It's a learning lesson. I'll never forget one of my prior bosses used to occasionally come out of his office and shout a quick no 
is better than someone who never says yes. So if you can get somebody to know quickly, that's fantastic because you've got the feedback, you can understand why they've said no, and you can move on, progress, make the product better, and convert more people. Someone who never says no is really not that helpful. If you never say no, then you're really not providing input or feedback, and that is maybe human nature, how we're hesitant to provide feedback or even receive feedback. But look, we're in the business of getting to know so that we can learn how to convert more people to yes. So that's my attempt at a single take solo pod today. We'll see what the title is when it goes up. I very much appreciate everyone who's listened along. Hopefully I brought the right energy and content to this session to make it worthwhile. So thanks again for listening and I will see you next time. Cheers.